symptoms is just plain and simple. We haven't put enough of the word on the inside of us to drive that sickness out. So this is a, a warfare thing. You know, when you got saved, you drove the devil out of your life. Amen. You chose God. The devil left and God came in. Now, that's not to say you won't have problems because the devil likes to get back in where he used to live. Amen. Once you could evict that rascal, he's constantly trying to get back in to the house. But the Bible says that if you fill yourself up with the word of God, he doesn't have any grounds to enter into your life. And you can keep him away from you with the power of the word of God. So Proverbs 4, if you'll go there, it's, it's one, of our, one of my favorite scriptures because it gives a prescription for divine health. It tells you exactly what to do in order to receive or to be symptom free, to cause that seed of divine health that's in you to increase. That's what we want. We want an increase in the amount of power and the amount of health and healing that's already inside of us. Uh, So in Proverbs 4, it says in verse 20, My son, attend to my word. In other words, pay attention to my word. Amen. He says, incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. That means that you've got to keep the word of God before you all the time. You know, when you have situations come up, the first thing that should come to your mind is the word of God. If it doesn't come to you automatically, go to your Bible and find out what God is saying to you about that situation. It's so simple. It doesn't, it doesn't really need to be said, but we need to say it because we don't operate in it all the time. Amen. And he says, incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. In other words, let that word sink in. Meditate on it. Let it marinate. Let it get inside of you. Keep muttering it to yourself. Keep repeating it to yourself. And he says, for they are life to those that find them. The word of God is life to those that find them. And health or medicine to all of their flesh. It's medicine. You can't take the word of God for a little bit and then quit on it and say it doesn't work. And I think that's real common among church people because we're accustomed to, well, we want to think that everything comes real quickly. If it doesn't come as quickly as we think it ought to come, we say it's not going to come. Well, that's just as crazy as going to the doctor. How many of you go to get them uh, uh, antibiotics, you know, if you have some kind of infection or something? It used to be two weeks or ten days. I know they had them little Z-packs. I heard about that stuff, too. They'll zip you up real quick in a body bag if you ain't careful. You understand? <laughs> messing with you. As you think outside the box a little bit here today. But, uh, <laughs> but uh you know what I'm saying. They got something for you. Well, if it says take all until all the pills are gone, you don't just stop by to take one and then quit and say it don't work, do you? Uh-huh. So don't do that with the word of God either. Because I find that is a common problem with people who are Christians. We all love God. I know that. But you can prove it by seeing how much word you can take, how continually to drive sickness totally out of your body. 
And I'm just as guilty as the next person. I'll do something until what I call the feel better stage. Huh? You just limping a little bit. Huh? Ain't limping all the way. Huh? And a little bit is still left. Well, you got to keep taking that word till a little bit is gone. Because a little bit will kill you one day if you let him hang around. Amen? He's just waiting to get a grip on you so that he can come in and grab more. You know how the devil is. Don't give him your, your toenail clippings. Because it come from the, for the toe next. Huh? Amen. You know, sometimes they cut it off a joint at a time. It's like, well, just cut my foot off if that's where we going with this. But it's, ah, just take that. Worst in the mafia. You know what I'm saying? So, so we have to understand that if there's a little bit left, we got to get rid of that little bit too. Amen. So I made a commitment to myself. I said, Lord, I am going to get rid of all of this. Amen. And not settle for just feeling better and, and, you know, skating on thin ice because we can walk totally in divine health. So we know that if we feed the seed of divine health that, that is in us with the word, then healing will come and it will be total and complete. Total and complete. Isaiah 53, that's our promise. That's our covenant promise from the Lord Jesus Christ. It says 53.3, I think it is, Isaiah. Verse 4, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Now that word surely, when you see words like surely, verily, truly, those are covenant, those are, are words that, that are oath. That's an oath being spoken there. So he's saying, surely, 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 verily, verily. That means I swear, I swear. Amen. Amen. That means that I have, this is something greater than just a promise. I have my own life staked against what I'm telling you here. That's why it's so easy sometimes for people to receive their healing, especially under the anointing. You know, you folks who are, are, are seeing uh, um, accidents, injuries, all of that kind of stuff, just ask people, do you mind if I pray for you? God wants to heal you. you mind if I pray for you? And just step into that place where the anointing is, and I trust you, life will never be the same again. Because many times we'll see people like that and we'll want, wish we could, oh, wish I could do something. Do it. You have God's permission to do it. He says believers shall lay hands. Not maybe. They shall lay hands. That is a prophecy over every person that believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when he says you shall do it, that means you have his permission to do it. Amen. And just go ahead and do it. Sometimes people, I've known people have a healing ministry and they go back and tell the pastor and they tell them, oh, you're not supposed to do that. Well, I've done it already. Too late. <laughs> the horse is out of the gate now. Amen. And so <laughs> that's <laughs> as long as you're not doing it on in his church and with his people without his permission. You know what I'm saying. But you can go and pray for as many sick folks as you ever want to do. Amen. As long as they let you do it, you're a believer. And so step into that place where the anointing is. 
it's it's amazing about the power of God. It, it's like a <clears throat> a door that you enter or a, a cloak that you wear. Like right here, you're in one place and you just feel that desire to do something. But if you step into that, the whole show opens up to you. The power of God descends upon you. The word of God begins to to minister what to say how to do things, and and all of that comes, it's like a whole new, whole new world. You know that much, right? (laughs) Like, yeah, like that. It really, really is, because you have entered fully into his kingdom, where the treasure of the king resides. And so once you get in there where the treasure of the king is, see, you may not feel too much, just just that desire is, is where you're at right now. But move toward that desire and see what opens up to you. Amen. It, the anointing comes. The gifts of the spirit operate. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom will come to you quickly when you step into that place of doing. You won't have it outside of ministry or outside of doing what God tells you to do. So you can walk around here and not feel, you know, you just feel like your regular, you know, Every day, <laughs> you feel like chopped liver, you know, salami, whatever you say you are day to day. But, man, once that you step into that place of doing something for somebody, that's where it is. Amen. That's exactly where it is. And you will see God do miracles through your prayers. Amen. Through your hands. So praise God. So surely he has done what? He's done many things for us in the atonement says he has borne our griefs. In other words, carried our sicknesses. Everything that's hurtful and painful to us, he has taken it away already. And carried our sorrows, everything that would cause you heartbreak, pain. Sometimes emotional hurt is worse than physical hurt. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it can just go on for a long time. And so he's taken all of that, everything that would cause us pain, heartache. You know, when Jesus uh, first was anointed in, in the fourth chapter of Luke, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to do what? First of all, heal the brokenhearted. Woo! And bind up their wounds. Amen. And so he knows how we feel. He's a great high priest. He's a perfect high priest. Amen. So there's no more singing the blues for people in the body of Christ. You know what I'm saying? Well, I I didn't get enough hugs when I was growing up. I I was abandoned. And, you know, we let people be victims way too long. You understand what I'm saying? There's so much power, God, to heal you. And to help you and to help deliver you from the power of darkness, there's no reason to be in an emotional bad place anymore. You're not a victim. You're more than a conqueror. You're more than an overcomer. You're more than you ever thought you could be through Christ who gives you strength. So we're going to put all that victim stuff down. Jesus, when he, after they met the Lord, they were victims no more. You got me? And I don't care how bad they had been victimized, you know. You know, we talk about the woman at the well with the five husbands, but that's pretty common these days. I'd throw no shade on y'all. Not loosen up. Come on now. Y'all was my friends till I said that. Huh? 
But there was even healing for her. He told her, he said, you drink of this water, you will never thirst again. Amen. Huh? Because he knows she's a thirsty sister. Huh? None of men are her no good. You know what I'm saying? One of them to, <laughs> it's always, always pick the bad ones. Know what I'm saying? I like bad boys. They'll rough you up pretty tough. Huh? That's the end of that conversation. See y'all the I see all these ears, megaphone ears. What's she getting ready to say now? I ain't gonna say nothing. <laughs> Praise God. But but look for somebody who's gonna be good to you. You know, look for somebody who's gonna give you a, a good time in life. Don't be looking for nobody to give you problems. Amen. So he took our pains and our sorrows, our griefs, our pains, amen. He was wounded not for himself but for us. When he was persecuted and crucified, he was wounded for what? Our transgressions. That means when you mess up and you know nobody but you messed up, he took that from you. You don't have to feel guilty. All you got to do is confess it. You don't have to feel guilty about it. You don't have to have, you know, wonder who's going to throw that up in your face. Ain't nobody going to throw it up in your face because he took it already. You're totally forgiven. Past, present, and future sins. Amen. Christians think after you get saved, uh, you know, you're not going to sin anymore. Well, you don't do as much. And I, listen, I do a whole lot less than I used to before I got saved. Amen. But do you realize once you get saved, uh, you know, like you were friends with the devil. Now your best friend has turned against you and he's laying snares for you everywhere. Huh? You can't get up out of your bed almost without cussing, tripping over something. I tripped over a table. I said, no, nah, I thought I put that table someplace else last night and bumped right into it. You understand what I'm saying? It's nothing but snares. He's got snares all over the place. So you're doing good to make to get it through the day without hurting somebody. Huh? You know, parents, you get, I'm seriously. You know, parents go through all, I see, I see y'all pray for your kids, sacrifice for them, and give them everything, and then they start acting funny and wanting to tell you what to do, and it's like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Out of nowhere. Just provoked out of nowhere. So we're doing good, folks, to, you know, stay saved, as they say, not, not hurt nobody, not wind up on snapped, you know what I'm saying? I, you know, I've seen women, they have, my husband was a deacon in the church. You mean a demon in the church? That brother, oopsie, <laughs> no more, no deacons, no offense to real deacons. Or, but you know what I'm saying. And and going to church, paying the tithes, making sure everybody gets to church on time, and all of a sudden he in a gay bar somewhere. You know, what do you say then? Well, at least you could have gone to a stripper bar. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. I mean, what do you say? You, you know, you be want to get in church and snap on somebody. Somebody call you up and want to pray for you. You say, huh? You know where my life is right now? So once you're saved, it's not easy street. You got somebody who used, you used to serve, and now you're a runaway slave from him. He's trying to get you back 24-7. So, yeah, the blood of Jesus covers even the saints when they sin. 
Amen. And I'm so thankful for that. So he is and he was bruised for our iniquities. And that is that nagging want to do bad that's in us. You know what I'm saying? Now, I'm not talking about just eating too many Twinkies. <laughs> I'm talking about things that you know you shouldn't think on. Things that, oh, I should be over this by that kind of stuff. He took that too. So you don't have to beat yourself up. Don't beat yourself up in guilt for what goes through your mind. Amen. You, you, you can let it just keep passing through. Don't dwell on it. Don't nurse it. If you do, confess it and ask God to forgive you and keep living for God. Amen. He died to take all of that. No guilt, no sorrow. Amen. So he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him smitten, stricken of God and afflicted, but he was wounded, what, for us, bruised for us. The chastisement of our peace was laid on him. That means that God is not still mad where he has to punish you to make him make peace with between you and him. You know, some people think that if they feel bad about something, that's like something good to do. If I feel really bad about it, maybe God will forget. He's forgiven you already. Just get up and quit pretending. huh? Quit messing around. Get up and go do something for somebody, huh? I had a a, a friend. It was uh, he was a, a prayer warrior for a, a a ministry, a well-known ministry, and I used to speak to him quite a bit. I had gone down and prayed with their, taught their little ministry some things. Um, I had a visit. It was just a divine thing where God had me on vacation. I wound up meeting him because we had met on the internet. And uh, I got a chance to minister and, and teach their group of warriors and intercessors down there. And one day I was speaking with him, and I asked him if he was, I said, well, how are you doing with the ministry? Because he was starting a ministry of his own. Oh, I can't do that. And I said, well, what's the matter? I said, what did you, you keep praying about it. I said, God will help whatever that is. I just thought to myself, I still get angry at my wife, and how can I be a minister if I still get angry at my wife. Don't <laughs> just say, no, wait a minute. <laughs> I didn't see that sister. <laughs> You're doing good not to deck her. You know <laughs> Hold the train, hold the phone. You know, the devil can get in there and with this condemnation and guilt. And and I said, you know what? I said, I'm going to give you a scripture. I said, you stay with that scripture until you forget that that's something wrong. I said, until you feel that that's been forgiven, you stand. It was First John, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let the devil, here he is a faithful intercessor, and God wants to move him up to more responsibility. The devil meets him and starts hitting at him with that kind of stuff. So anyway, he has taken all, he has paid for all of that. Amen? You need to know that God is your personal, Jesus inside of you is your personal trainer. He is your personal Healer, he is your. He will tailor make 
your healing to fit you. You don't have to go out on a limb anywhere. You know, people always wonder, well, I thought I'd, I'd fast a few days. I said, well, when you get back to eating again, get in the Word. You know? What can you tell people? I mean, unless they really know what that is and what they're doing. But we think if we quit eating, <laughs> you know, like I was in somebody's ministry. Uh, Charlene's dying camp, you know, her ministry. She has a uh, ministry to heal broken marriages. It's called Stop Divorce. Powerful ministry. She got people writing her from all over the world. And I was thinking, she, she keeps stressing fasting and prayer, fasting and prayer, fasting and prayer. And you know, when I see, when I see that word F-A-S-T, <laughs> I tell, wake me up when it's over. I'm going to go in my sugar coma. Wake me up when it's over. But then I read one day and she said, yes. She said, fasting one meal a week. And I said, huh? Is that what I'm scared of? I said, you built this great ministry on fasting one day a week? Excuse me? I can do that. Huh? I sleep through half of them anyway. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> but, um, you know, we always, in other words, we always think to get something from God is so hard. You got to do this and do this and do this and do this. Give up this and give up that and all that kind of stuff. Don't go Catholic back on me, y'all. Now, oops, no offense, to Catholics. Huh? But you know, we all been there. Hey, you know what I'm saying? We are. We all got that in our background. You know, it takes a long road somebody sometimes to find God. Now, if anybody's still Catholic, don't feel bad. Now, listen, we all children of God. Now, don't don't go there with me. But you know what I mean. So. <laughs> I'm not going to say what I'm thinking about saying why that came in. Turn to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. This is Jesus in the wilderness. In order for you to receive your healing, you may, must make a decision to resist the devil and keep resisting him. Don't resist him for a little bit and stop. Because many times if you do that, symptoms will get worse. You got me? So make up your mind to resist him and keep resisting him. So in Luke chapter 4, starting really in verse 1, it says, Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost... Returned from Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil. In those days he ate nothing, and when they were ended, he afterward hungered. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that this stone be made bread. Jesus answered him, It is written. So that is your answer for every temptation of the devil. Now, sickness is a temptation. You're tempted to accept it. Amen. So, and God wants you to refuse it. He wants you to seek him. And then Jesus, your, your divine health healer on the inside of you, will tailor make a program for you so that you can receive your healing. He knows you're getting up, you're uprising, you're down sitting, 
In other words, when I say (laughs) upright and down sitting, I mean I'm sitting down a lot. He knows that. If it's slow for you slow to get up in the morning, he knows that too. And he will make a way for you to receive your healing from him. All he wants to do is see you resisting, continually resisting the devil. The devil chases us around with symptoms for no good reason. We'll get, we'll get a symptom in our body. And the first thing you want to say, I wonder what that is. It's normal to do. We want to check it out because pain usually is a sign of some kind of disorder of some sort. But for you as a believer, it's just a temptation. It's just a testing to see if you will stand on the word. And if you'll stand on the word, that thing will leave. I don't care how many times it comes back. And see, this is what the enemy wants to do. He wants to wear us out with his persistence. But you've got the king of glory living on the inside of you. You have more persistence. Your persistence against him is eternal. His is just temporary. Sickness, death, disease, all that stuff is from the world. The world is temporary. It's going to pass away one day. But God's word abides forever. So something eternal can never be uprooted by something that's temporary. That's why the devil's so persistent with us. He thinks that if he can keep gnawing at us and nagging at us with symptoms, that we'll eventually think that he's more powerful than God is. But you've got the Bible says resist him steadfastly with your faith. In other words, you've got to be in there not to quit but to continue until the symptoms move. Because God's not going anywhere. He's not letting the devil uproot him. But we've got to stay with his word and stay persistent with the word until the symptoms totally leave. You want total healing? You'll get total healing. But you'll get it if you are persistent with it and make sure that you stay with that word. Keep meditating on the word. Keep confessing the word. The, uh, I heard somebody, I think it was Charles Capps preaching on the word, and I, I had heard this a couple of times, and, but he said that uh, the confession is very important because the, the uh, nerve at the base of the tongue goes to every major organ of the body. Wow. So as you're talking, it's sending it out to every organ of your body. Question is, do you really believe God? Because God will put us through the tester, folks. You've got to know what your faith can do. And you'll only know it if it's met up against something that seems to be overwhelming to it. God's not going to let us die. Huh? Now, you can, you can leave out of here if you want to, but he's got plans for you to live as long. He says, with long life, I will satisfy you. And show you my, you'll see his, you'll see the healing coming to your body. You'll see his salvation. Amen. He'll satisfy so you can live as long as you want to. Yeah, I got nutty Christians sending me the, you know how they like to send these things on the uh, Facebook messenger. It's, I open it up and I got to put shades on it. All these, some flowers sparkling all over the place. I said, please turn it off. (laughs) Y'all don't know me. 
<laughs> if you know me, you know you don't send me nothing like that. <laughs> it's okay for you. Tomorrow isn't promised. I said, devil, you are a liar. I got tomorrow, next year. I got as many as I want. Because he said, with long life, he will satisfy me. So I hit that famous button that says block. Send that to somebody else. Huh? You don't say that to blood-bought people. We're supposed to encourage each other in the things of God. Yeah, it's promised to me. I get it if I want it. I want tomorrow, the next day, and the next day, and the next day. So at every turn, Jesus said no to the devil. That's what you must say to symptoms when they attack. You've got to say no to them. And now, uh, listen, pain, you go in the name of Jesus. You, I don't want you here. You can't stay here. Leave now in Jesus' name. It says he was bruised for our iniquities. That's our desire to sin. That's the effect of sin on your soul. The devil keeps hammering you to do things that you don't want to do, you know are wrong. He died for that. And he will give you, your mind will get renewed to the fact that you don't have to live that way anymore. Amen? So, if we make a decision to resist the devil, it is a forever decision. Amen? Don't just do this and try it and see if it works. Don't do that to God. He works. It's all over the Bible that his word works. Amen? So, when Jesus spoke to the devil in Luke chapter 4 when he said uh, it is written that was his righteousness speaking for him and that's what we have to speak out of is our righteousness I'll, I'll hear people say silly thing I'm mad at Satan he mad at you too <laughs> let's get it on you know <laughs> whatever what are you waiting on and, and, uh, but you've got to step into that arena of resisting him and know that once you step in there, it's a fight to the death. Amen? Uh, he's not going away anywhere. You've got to hit him and hit him again. I realized that. I'll tell this little story. I've told it before. I remember I, when I was dating my husband, he said something, and I didn't like it. And it's, uh, my Cherokee got upset. I'm blaming that on my ancestors. <laughs> right, Gigi? And you go, boom. And he went, bam. I said, wait a minute. Hold it. I said, I'm going to have to really hurt him, which means I didn't bring enough with me. <laughs> or he going to really. But, you know, you get with, that's the way it is with the devil. Y'all going to have to duke it out till somebody dead. You understand what I'm saying? If you keep this up. So we just called it a draw. I put a little ice on mine. He was very fair skinned, so he got red. Huh? I called, we called it a draw. But that's the way it is when you fight the devil. You gotta get in there with everything you got. And you gotta stay in there till the death, till he quits. Huh? Because God don't have no quit in him. You've got to do that until the devil quits. Amen. Praise God. Oh, now I hear somebody saying, well, that was abuse. Listen, I didn't believe in abuse in my day. If anybody going to get abused, it's going to get him. 
<laughs> I go get my sisters. We put our do rags on. You know, it's four of us. Hit my sister. It's your problem. <laughs> we show up at your job after work. <laughs> and mama too, if we could get her to go. We got this ma, we can handle it. Huh? <laughs> we didn't have no women getting abused back in the day. I'm real sorry for y'all. I don't play that stuff. But anyway, <laughs> all right. So you must stay with the word. That word will heal you. That word will do everything that you needed to do. But your faith will be tested. If we could all hit the devil once and he'd leave us alone, it would be wonderful. But he came back to Jesus three times in the same situation. So and in, in, when he tempted Jesus or tested him in the past, said he left him for a season. So if he left Jesus for a season, he's going to leave us for a season, too. You understand what I'm saying? He's always going to be back trying to get us under his authority. So don't quit. Once you start confessing the word, you start speaking the word over your situation. Mix the word with faith. Meditate on it. Ask God to help you to make it make real good sense to you. And, and the devil will flee. You will eventually get your health back. Amen. Some of you will get it instantly today when we pray for you at the altar. So, I mean, it just depends. Amen. Divine life always destroys the works of the devil. Acts 10.38 says how Jesus of Nazareth was anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, Because God was with him. God is with you. And so you can go about doing good and healing all through the anointing. But also the anointing heals you. Be diligent about your 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 time in the word. Sometimes if you if you really are looking for God to use you as far as ministry is concerned, many times you will be tested beyond where. People who aren't as ambitious toward God will be. You understand what I'm saying? Why? You've got to carry enough strength for your own self and for others as well. And so many times you'll find like these little tests of affliction come not to take you down, but if you understand it, God wants to strengthen you so he can impart more to you, greater ability to you. But he will he is not putting you in the test so you can flunk. Huh? He's putting you in the test so you can strengthen yourself. See, we need to know what we carry. Now, I'm all for doing stuff by faith, but I'm one of the people, eventually, you got to show me something. Huh? Like, I see a lot of people in the church now. That's my fiance. First thing I said, wear the ring. That's right. That's right. Yes. Y'all ain't engaged. Let's cut it out. Stop playing. Huh? Huh? I see all these fiancés shacked up and sleeping together and all this stuff, call themselves saints, and ain't no ring. A stripper will get a ring. <laughs> messing with y'all. You understand what I'm saying? Come on now. Then they get on the Internet and say, queen so-and-so. You're a queen. You better show me a ring, queenie. 
Now, where was I? Turn to Hebrews 12. Talking about the blood of Jesus now. That's your advocate. That's your lawyer. This is why you can resist the devil. Because when you step into the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ, his blood speaks for you. Amen. His blood speaks for you. So it's not just you talking. You're not talking with your your faith alone. But Jesus is backing you up with the power of his blood. Hebrews. Go back a little bit more. It's a wonderful thing to know the power of the blood of Jesus and what it would do for you. Hebrews chapter 12. It says in verse 22, it says, But you have come into Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God. Amen. And to the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. That's where you live. That's your company. That's your family. That's where you belong. That's who you belong to. And to the general assembly of the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new and better covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. So when you're you're as a sinner, you're living under the authority of the blood of Abel. Abel was the first human that was murdered, or according to the Bible, first murder that took place. In his blood, the Bible says, uh, as he, uh, God asked his brother Cain, where's your brother? And he said, I don't know. I ain't his keeper. You know, little smart stuff. And God is like, you don't have to be. I keep him. And his blood is crying to me from the ground. So the blood, let's think about all the babies aborted in this country. That blood is crying to God from the ground. But the blood of Jesus, it says here, speaks better things. Abel's blood cried out for vengeance. All innocent blood cries out for vengeance. All innocent blood cries out to be vindicated. Innocent blood says, I didn't get a life. I didn't get a chance for a life. And that's a loss and a debt in the earth. And that debt has to be paid. But it gets paid by the blood of Jesus, which speaks better things. See, I prayed with women who have had abortions. And it's a hard thing sometimes for them to feel forgiven because blood guiltiness is the worst kind of guilt you could ever have. It hardens the heart. It hardens the mind. It's tormenting. But, but the ones who will stay with the word and allow the power of the blood of Jesus to speak over that blood. See, the blood of Jesus has a louder voice because it's an eternal voice. It will drown out the voice of devils that accuse you and God will never forgive you. Why did you do that? You took a life. Who do you think you are? You'll never be that kind of stuff. His blood speaks. You're forgiven. Yes. 
from eternity. Got me? And it drowns out that voice that would tell you that this can't happen for you. That'll tell you that you can't be forgiven. I know I knew a young woman one time, and she said, you know, what really healed me, she said, is I stayed in my word. She said, and one day God showed me, he said, you just continue to serve me. He, and she said, she sh- he showed me a picture of me pay- playing with my baby in heaven. He was already in heaven waiting for me. You got me? She said, and I was able to rejoice and have something to look forward to instead of being, feeling condemned all the time. And so God has, but the power of the blood of Jesus is, is, is immense to turn lives around. It's immense to heal us from sin. It's immense. The blood of Jesus speaks on our behalf, no matter what we have done. If we will confess our sins, you know, saints need to quit lying and just say, I did that, and God, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Get contrite. You know what I'm saying? Let's quit all these little slogans and all this stuff we say in front of each other. But if we will get sincere with God, we'll find out God has great mercy. You walk into a different whole new world. The world of, of the door that the blood opens for the mercy of God to pour into your life. You know, we're, we're not entitled to anything. Really? We've been purchased by him. So that's not entitlement. To me, that if we've been purchased, we don't belong to ourselves. Amen? And so once you're purchased by God, that does give you access to all of the benefits that he has for us. You need to stay healthy so you can work for God. You got me? You don't want to be limping around sick all the time trying to work. You want to get yourself whole so that you can work for God nonstop. Amen? Now, if you, you're in a condition where you have a long-term road to healing, you know, be on the road, though. You understand? Well, there's no condemnation to people who aren't totally well, but be on the road. Don't be sitting up feeling sorry for yourself and waiting for something to happen so that you can all of a sudden get healed. Get yourself in the word. Start spending time with God. Allow that word to transform you and to help you. I remember years ago, 700 Club had a, a testimony, a young girl that she, Pat Robertson, would have her on there at least every six months or a year. She'd give her testimony. She was in her 20s and was diagnosed with MS. Well, some of y'all know Miss Audrey used to be here. She had MS when we met her. She had just gotten healed from it. it stayed healed. She's healed now. You know what I'm saying? But this girl was so sick, it took her down really quick. And she, she used to love to sing and worship in church. Well, it got to the point she couldn't go anymore. And she asked them, she said, is there something I can do? I'm used to serving God. It's something I can do. And a group of women who were intercessors told her, join our group. They said, we'll give you the names. We'll send them to you, and we'll let you pray for the people. And she took that upon herself, and she said when she, as she gradually stayed at home and stayed in bed, you know how people, when they're they're paralyzed, your, your muscles start to contract. And her arm had bent up and her leg had bent up. She couldn't straighten her knee out anymore. It's just something that happens from inactivity. And so uh, uh, she said that she was just praying her regular prayers, and she was able to just take one piece of paper, put it aside, look at another one. And she said pretty soon that arm started stretching out when she, (laughs) 
legs stretched out. She got up out that bed. Huh? Praying for others. See, she was sowing those seeds. She had already prayed for herself. She's sowing those seeds, and as she act like she was normal, she got normal. You got me? That's what faith does. Faith doesn't just, you know, don't let the devil take you down. You know, if you got to go down, go down fighting. You know what I'm saying? Just go down swinging. It's our on, devil. I'm praying for these people. I'm believing God for them. I'm giving, in the, giving my tithes and offerings like I'm supposed to. I'm staying connected to God so that I can find mercy in his sight. So the blood of Jesus speaks about his love for us, not vengeance like Abel's blood did, but it speaks love and forgiveness. It speaks peace between us and God. His blood speaks grace and not anger and not wrath. It speaks forgiveness to the utter end, eternal forgiveness. It speaks the blessing and not the curse. It speaks life and not death. His blood soothes and heals the sin-torn conscience. And it speaks restoration and wholeness. The blood of Jesus will speak to you that your situation is not hopeless. Huh? Because it speaks restoration. If you can believe it, every time you hear the word, you are being restored. You are being put back together again. I don't care if you, if you don't see it right away. I don't care how you feel about it. Every time you incline your ear, like now. You know, in the Bible, it says that when people would come to Jesus, it said they came to hear and be healed. you got to hear first. If you got something against hearing the word, I challenge you to start loving hearing the word. Huh? People think church is too long, too boring. I've heard it all. I just keep preaching. I don't care. You know, I'm intending to stay here until I get something from God. If I came here for something for God, I'm, I'm determined to stay until I get it. Amen. We had a young woman that came to healing school. I think it was, was it this time last year? Miss Noli and little Pam? It was about a year ago she came to healing school, and she sat right in that little area right there. She couldn't even sit long. I had to stop before praise and worship was over over to pray for her because she felt she could she be diagnosed with cancer and something in her internal organ organs, and she was so thin and and wasn't able to sit. Well, she came to church here a couple of weeks ago with some high heels on and <laughs> I said, oh, no, you didn't. huh? See, it wasn't too late for her. And for the time, amen, for the time she was able to sit to hear the word, she came and sat to hear it. You know, thank God you're able to sit and to hear and to listen. You can get as much of the word as you want to. Amen. Miss Tanya, why don't we you put the music on? We're going to pray for people now. If you came here to be prayed because you are sick in your body and you know that God wants you well, then you can come up. Use your faith and believe God that when hands are laid on you, that those symptoms will leave. You're already healed. We're making it real to you. We're, you got to get rid of the symptoms eventually, too. 
But there are people who have been healed and were fine, just, you know, with minor symptoms until they just left one day. 